Well, the times, they are a-changing. Welcome back to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight, and boy howdy, do we have a lot to talk about today. That's right, folks. We're here to start the final class. It's the final class. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. I should see how much it would cost me just to play that that much of that song just once this is also twice within 37 seconds that i've sung a part of a song this is a slightly musical podcast for those of you dropping in for the very first time but yes we are here today to start local church ministry the final class on the road to completing my master's degree but along with that today i do want to briefly talk about uh, what happened <laughs> with Roots of Sabbath? Because it kind of just ended. And I feel bad that it just kind of ended and we didn't hit all of our goals. So we have a lot to talk about. So let's go ahead and dive into today's topic. First off, talking about Roots of Sabbath. First, I want to say thank you all so much for coming out and checking out this series. This has been one of the most popular series I have ever done on my seminary life. And it wasn't even a seminary class, which really uh, encourages me here as I begin here in April, the the independent study era of the show as I begin picking what we're going to talk about. I have control. I have the power. And I'm excited to see where the show is headed in that. But this first month of just kind of beta testing it out, seeing how people would respond to it. I don't know if it was because it wasn't specifically seminary related or if it was the Sabbath topic or what. But man, you all came out and showed up and seem to really enjoy it. There is already, from that batch of episodes, there is already a really strong contender for episode of the year. I'm just going to let you know right off the bat, there was already an episode out of this first month that was very popular. Jet, like, strap the rocket to it on the top 10 all-time downloaded episodes. So I'm excited to see how the rest of this year goes. I'm also excited because we just hit 1,000 downloads. We did it. 1,000 downloads. I This time last year, I had like a couple hundred and thought 1,000 was like a million miles away. And in a calendar year, here we are. I'm excited for that. But let's uh, allow me to explain, though, what happened. Because if you recalled during Roots of Sabbath, what was supposed to happen is the first half of the month, we were going to talk about this class that I took that outside of seminary. And then Claire was going to be on the show to talk about her experience. And then we were going to I was going to do this, like look into the. Uh, Jewish perspective on the Sabbath. And then Rachel Fahrenbach was going to be on the show to talk about uh, family Sabbath from her podcast, Simply Sabbath. That was the plan. And then what ended up happening was we got to the episode, What Should I Do on the Sabbath? 
And then there was a couple weeks of nothing. <laughs> there was like a week and a half of nothing. And then Rachel was here. Here's the thing. I, I've talked about this before. I think it was in the state of the podcast address. I talked about it on there. And I will reiterate it here that as much as I enjoy this podcasting hobby as fun and enjoyable as it is, as much as it works, this part of my brain that likes to be creative, uh, as much as uh, there has been success over this past year, as we go into the uh, two-year anniversary of the show, as much as there has been success here, family comes first. And during the latter half there of January, Cooper got sick. Nothing to be afraid of. He's already all ba- all better. Friends at home, producer Cooper is all better. But he was sick. And I had, you know, I... <laughs> Not much, not much podcasting can get done during the day. Let me tell you that much, folks. And on top of it, he's sick. So in the evenings, Claire and I are having to juggle him back and forth. There were some nights where neither one of us really got that much sleep and our energy was tapped and it's January. And so my depression, well, it was January and my depression is always just worse in January. I'm actually very thankful so far in February. Things have been a lot better, but busy, sick child. I wasn't feeling good. And so there were just nights where either I was going to relax, have no energy to do anything anyway, or juggle a child. And so episodes didn't get recorded. And I do apologize for that because I know last month was supposed to be the big, hey, thank you for hitting our goals once more. Here's double episodes. Appreciate you all so much. This past year, and I'm going to talk more about this at the two-year anniversary special, has taught me that I like having goals and I like celebrating those goals with rewards for everybody. But I think we need to like do something different (laughs) need to do something different going into year three so more about that in the two-year anniversary special i apologize again that we didn't get to do those other things but i am very thankful for all of you for coming out week after episode after episode for that series maybe we'll do it again another time i don't know i'm sure there's more to be There's more to be talked about when it comes to the Sabbath. Okay, so that's done. (laughs) Let's get on to the final class, local church ministry. You want to hear something ironic, kids? This was actually the last class I took for my undergrad as well. It was a week-long module where uh, it was an eight-hour-a-day class for a whole week of Monday through Friday. So it was like a job for one week of taking a class. And this version is so different from the previous version. The the last I don't remember too much about the previous class. I know I had to read a couple really good books on pastoring, pastoring specifically through the lens of how it's supposed to be of shepherding a flock, what that actually means. So that those were helpful. I still have those books. I don't need them for this version, but I still have them. And I also remember that the final project, the class was split into two groups. One group had to do a mock funeral service, and then the group I was in had to do a mock wedding service. 
wedding ceremony. So that was like the final projects for that class. Outside of that, I don't remember too much. There was a day we went and visited a couple churches in the Warsaw, Fort Wayne, Goshen area to talk to pastors, interview them, understand their heart for ministry and what their church is doing. But I don't remember anything specific from the class conversations. They were all, I I just don't. I couldn't tell you a single thing we talked about in those classes for eight hours a day. I don't, which maybe really speaks to the conversation. This version of the class so far, as I'm recording this, I'm midway through the class, what I've this version is very specific and very intentional. It is a different professor. It's actually the same professor I had for discipleship methods and for intercultural ministry. So I'm I'm excited for that because I do like him. But this has been much more specific as we are dealing with church needs in the modern era of the church. How is the church supposed to deal with politics? How is the church supposed to deal with social justice? How is the church supposed to deal with living in a mostly post-pandemic world? COVID-19 is not going anywhere anytime soon, but we're living in a mostly post-pandemic world. And then our topic today, how do you minister multi-generationally? And there's a whole host of other things that we're not going to be able to talk about everything here on the show. So I imagine during the final episode coming in March folks during the final episode uh, I will do a segment we haven't done in a very long time what got cut where I run down all the things that we missed out on talking about here on the show but it's been so much more intentional so much more okay we need to talk about what the needs are presently in the church rather than what I remember from last time of more of just a general, this is what a pastor's job looks out day looks like day in and day out. That's more so what I remember from the last version. If the uh, ministry administration class and series I did last year uh, was probably a better example of what last the local church ministry was like when I was in, my undergrad, when I took the undergrad version. But today we're going to talk about ministering multi-generationally. And that is because similar to back in the late fall, November, December, when we were doing intercultural ministry, we need to acknowledge the fact that yes, generational generations are a construct. People are born and they are born at different time periods, but are labels and dates are all constructs. Uh, One thing (laughs) that's very interesting to me is that basically once you get past baby boomers and the start of Gen X, all of these start and end dates are very flexible, apparently. But like we were talking about in our cultural ministries where we part of ministering well is understanding that there are other cultures that they operate differently and that different doesn't necessarily mean wrong and that there are plenty of times when we need to validate and minister to somebody within their cultural framework in order to love our neighbors well 
it it transfers over here into the generational conversation as well because part of the reason we have this construct of generations is because groups of people generally speaking all think and act in a similar fashion this is all very general i am not here to say that all baby boomers act the same all gen xers act the same we're all speaking very generally on these things but this general idea will help us to be able to minister to a church that is more and more diverse generationally we're already on a whole new young generation gen z is not the youngest generation anymore there's already one after them so or yeah after there's already one after them so we need to understand these generations so what are some things that we need to know let's go back to the beginning so the earliest generation that we have is referred to either as the silent generation or the greatest generation they are before 1946 i do not remember the start date but it is before 1946 this group of people these group of people who lived through the depression and the and World War II, they they are the most conservative people of all of the groups that we're going to talk about, and they are the group that typically still says that America is the greatest country on the planet. Okay, moving forward, and if you need an example, they had celebrity examples of each one in the book I was reading. Um, Clint Eastwood. Okay, that is that is your mental image of the greatest generation. It's Clint Eastwood. They are all Clint Eastwood. Then you have the baby boomers, 46 to 64. I can remember it well because my grandpa is 46 and my dad is 64. And my granddaddy is part of the greatest silent generation they are called the baby boomers because they were the boom of children born after world war ii the earlier half is more democratic than the later half who are more republican and that is because of the group of presidents that they came up under with the the younger half coming up under presidents like truman and the later half coming up under president like reagan however nowadays generally speaking baby boomers consider themselves conservative it's kind of a more general term that they would say of themselves a unique factor of the boomers is that they are getting older they are getting very concerned about their financial situation And they don't like being referred to as old people. Now, (laughs) that is a wake-up call already for my age group and Gen Z. Okay, Boomer, Karen, right? They don't really like that. And actually, studies show that even within the church, baby boomers really don't like it when they're in Sunday school classes or small groups or whatever that are called senior adults or elderly or any type of adjective that implies that they are older they would rather just be known as the adult sunday school class as well or a sunday school class they have a hard time wrestling with their age 
after baby boomers, you have Gen X, which is 64, 65 to 18 to 20 years later ish. Like I said, after this point, and I'm going to talk about this a lot when we get to millennials here in a second. After this point, the start and end date for all of these groups varies depending on whoever you are reading and yeah it just changes gen x is known as the latchkey generation because they were the generation that grew up with usually one or usually both parents working or mom is volunteering or whatever and so they just would go home and take care of themselves until their parents got home from work. That's why when you get to, that's why in all of the movies from the seventies and eighties, parents are either absent or really dumb and just not very present in their kids' lives. And that's how teenagers get into all of the trouble that they get into in movies from the seventies and eighties and can, you know, have a Ferris Bueller day off or get stalked by a serial killer because that's just how all of those movies are. You're either partying or stalked by a serial killer because there's no parents around. It's like always Charlie Brown comics. And because when the parents are around, it's just and when the parents aren't around, it's the kids just out doing their own thing. And that was Gen X. They're just, they learned to take care of themselves, and they also learned to be skeptical of institutions, especially the government. They are very skeptical of institutions, which also carries over into the church. And living in the era that we do now where church hurt and a lot of the fallout that we have been having in recent history with mega church pastors, celebrity pastors, I can only imagine is not helping the cause to make Gen X, Gen Xers feel safe at church and part of a community that they can trust. Also, every generation is very worried about finances. That's not particularly unique to boomers, although they are in the age group of retirement. So that does weigh a different factor on them. However, for Gen X, they have come out the most, they have come out the best from the pandemic financially. They have succeeded the best financially when it comes, when it came from getting out of the pandemic. Gen Z was actually the one set up going into the pandemic of being the most fiscally, um, they were, they were going to be the most successful fiscally going into the pandemic, and then it screwed everything up. Then we have the millennials. The millennials start sometime in the 80s and either end when I'm born in 1994 or maybe a couple years later. I am either the end of the millennials or either I am the end of the millennials or it might be my wife, or it might be my brother in 99. Definitely my two younger brothers, though, were part of Gen Z. I'm on the fine line where I can kind of act like both. I'm on that fine line where sometimes older millennials don't quite understand me, and Gen Z thinks I'm gross because I'm old, because I'm almost 29. 29? 
I'm almost 29. But the interesting thing, ooh, we are running out of time. The interesting thing about the millennials is that everybody says we're narcissists. And I felt like Tony Stark in Iron Man 2 when he's reading the Avengers Initiative folder about himself. Textbook narcissism. Like, uh, we're all narcissists. We think very much about ourselves. Politically, we are moving ever since you get to that younger half of the boomers who are very... You have the younger half of the boomers who are very Republican, conservative. Gen X kind of fluctuates. We start moving the needle more towards the Democrat liberal side. And even more so when you get to Gen Z here in a minute. My generation... We care about we care about inclusion, but what is different between our version of inclusion and Gen Z's version? I'm going to start talking about Gen Z now. Oh, another thing to help you determine if you're a millennial or not. Apparently, I think this was from a Pew Research article. They say if you can remember 9-11 happening, you're probably a millennial. Because there's plenty of people in Gen Z who weren't even born yet. Anyway, what was I saying? Okay, one thing that separates how millennials care about inclusion and how Gen Z cares about inclusion is that I would say Gen Z has a more pure, a, a more pure initiative for inclusion, for social justice, for racial justice. Uh, whereas my group, I, I think we care about inclusion. We care about other people. But I think part of it, maybe going back to that narcissism, is that we like new experiences. I remember that was a big deal thing when I was in high school and college of like, we don't care about monetary things we don't care about having things we are our currency is experiences and so experiencing other cultures experiencing other worldviews i think that is more so what gen, what uh millennials care about whereas gen z cares about people and they want to be heard Everybody wants to be heard, obviously, but Gen Z wants to be heard and they are very willing to call older generations out on their BS. They are an intelligent group. They are coming up with the internet, like coming, like growing up with the internet. And because of that, they can have so much more information at their fingertips. My generation is the one that is slowly killing the uh, news cycle business like my generation and younger we are watching less news whereas older generations especially baby boomers enjoy watching the news whereas i find it to be a task that i should do because it's responsible of me to kind of know what's going on in the world but i'm not interested in watching it for long periods of time gen z cares about inclusion they are willing to not work for people if they are not very inclusive. They will are willing to call older generations out on their BS, and they want to be heard. And then the youngest generation is Generation Alpha, Gen Alpha, who are babies. <laughs> I mean, they're like toddler age. They're young elementary students and also my son, who is 
nine going on 10 months old. That is Gen Alpha. So there's not too much known about them because they are small. But the oldest Gen Zers are in and graduating college by this point. So don't think of Gen Z as children. Don't think of my age group as a bunch of wild, crazy college partiers like we were all accused of during the early days of the pandemic. That's Gen Z you're looking for, was looking for. Then they got all very serious about the pandemic. So what's all of this to say? Now we all know a whole bunch of stuff about the different generations and we're running out of time. So what is it that we need to do in order to minister multi-generationally? Obviously, knowledge is power, Gus. You need to know these things generally so that way as you look out over your congregation, over your small group, over your stats for you content creators who listen to the show and you see who you are ministering to that should give you a clue as to how you minister to them what ministries you're going to make available to them and how you're going to i hate to use the word tailor your message but honestly i feel like that's the best word of like how you're going to tailor what you are going to say to your congregation without compromising the truth of scripture. So just, knowledge is power, Gus. You do need to know these things generally. A couple specifics you can do. Again, baby boomers don't like to be called old folks. So stop. We should, we should stop doing Karen jokes. We should stop doing okay boomer jokes. And we should be comfortable with taking the senior out of their Sunday school groups. I've even seen, I even saw one of my classmates as we were discussing this in forum posts say that they would start offering, and maybe the church needs to start offering like not a weekly service, but maybe a monthly event to, just geared towards older generations being able to come together and reminisce about the good old days of the church because a lot of them are starting to feel pushed out as churches start to focus more and more on younger folks and even though baby boomers and even some gen xers are like the ones who built a lot of these churches they're starting to feel pushed out as programming becomes more and more focused on youth so have a service or a a monthly event or the Sunday school space, whatever it may be that is focused on baby boomers reminiscing and remembering the good old days of their church experience. Obviously a lot of people would, obviously some people would say when it comes to small groups, you should be mingling these groups multi-generationally. So that way everyone can hear the various perspectives if you don't have a very hands-on approach to your small group, discipleship group, life group, crews, ministry, then you might not be able to control who all gets mingled together. But if you do have more of like a process or whatever, you can mix these more. Make the church a safe space, especially in, when you think in terms of Gen X, you need to build relationship capital with them. 
Gen Z is also the loneliest, most anxious generation to date. So build relationship capital with them as well. Be a relational church. Millennials and Gen Z both like to be in community together, but also in the community doing things. So make sure there are outreach opportunities for the younger folks to get out into the community to care for them. So those are a couple of my suggestions and we are almost out of time here. So we're going to go ahead and call it for episode one, talking about multi-generational ministry for your church. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a rating wherever you're listening to the show at and recommend the episode to a friend that you think could maybe get something out of it. Just behind this episode on the feed is my sermon on Luke 18, 1 through 8, talking about the parable of the persistent widow. Next week, Pastor Will will be here on the show to talk about three things that he learned about ministry coming out of the pandemic. This is in fulfillment of a paper I had to write, and it was a really fun conversation. So be looking for that one next week. You can find links to the website and shop in the description for this episode. And you can always contact the show at emailseminarylife at gmail.com. That is it. Time is almost up. But remember, theology is for everyone. So keep on studying.